1: you're listening to a hindustan times production brought to you by HD smartcast hi i'm HD smartcast and i hope you're safe and well your episode is about to begin but just a small message of solidarity before that You know, just in case you need some smart company. Thanks for listening. Take care. Hi, I'm Sanchita Sharma. I'm the health and science editor with the Hindustan Times. Welcome to my podcast, HealthWise. Each episode will bring you up to speed with the top of the mind, health, science and environment issues. You'll hear experts who will help you better understand policy and decipher jargon so that you can make the choices that work best for you. Mm India's efforts to stop coronavirus disease has led to nationwide lockdowns and travel restrictions. Do we really need these extreme steps? Why do we all have to stay locked up at home and restrict travel and meeting people? What are the kind of precautions we need to take at home? I've called Dr. Srinath Reddy, who's the president of the Public Health Foundation of India, to look for answers from the safety of my home today. Hi, welcome to the show, Dr. Reddy. So, as you know, the lockdown has started... But I wanted to begin by asking you, how worried should we be?
2: All countries have experienced an upswing of the epidemic, which lasted for a variable number of days in each country before it started plateauing off and subsiding. So we will also experience an upswing uh, and the cases will increase, but we should not be panicking because that is the experience of every single country. Our task is to try and reduce the slope of the upswing and try and get it to play as soon as possible. So to slow down and flatten the curve is our task. So even if in the next two or three weeks we are likely to see more cases, that does not signal a huge wave of the epidemic sweeping us out. Uh, so there is some question of concern uh, in terms of the rising numbers, but that does, that should not signal a great deal of panic.
1: But do we really need a lockdown at this stage because the numbers in India are nowhere as high as China, Italy, Iran or the United States?
2: We have to take this precaution because this is a highly infectious virus, the like of which has never been seen before. And therefore, if it actually enters into community spread in multiple locations, then it can really engulf the whole country. So we have to seal as many points of exit for the virus as possible to prevent it entry into the community. And therefore, person-to-person transmission is very important for us to prevent. And this lockdown is necessary in order to reduce the tra- that kind of transmission. So that, A, we can ensure that the spillage into the community is greatly reduced. And secondly, that gives us the time to trace the cases and contacts and try and isolate or quarantine them effectively so that they don't become sources of Fresh infection,
1: but is there evidence to show that these kind of lockdowns actually work? Have you had pandemics in the past, or epidemics, or outbreaks in the past where these measures have been taken, not in India but in other countries, and that they've actually slowed uh, outbreaks, the, the
2: slow transmission? Well, uh, as I said, this is the kind of virus, uh, the speed of transmission of which has not been seen before, uh, and therefore for less uh, agile viruses, uh, we have uh, seen some past experience with some partial success, but this is a virus which has had much greater speed of transmission and therefore the greater need for such containment measures. And even the Imperial College, which actually models uh, many of the public health measures in order to counter the epidemic, has given a amount of credit. Uh, to the lockdown as a potential public health measure, which will have a success.
1: Are you saying it's spreading faster than H1N1?
2: Yes, it is certainly spreading faster than H1N1.
1: So, as individuals, what are the precautions we should take during the lockdown and also once the lockdown is over?
2: Well, uh, in terms of uh, during the lockdown, I think we have to necessarily ensure Uh, that we try and uh, retain our uh, position in terms of uh, seclusion and uh, as much as possible avoid uh, social contact with others. Uh, And particularly, if we do have to have social contact to maintain the safe distance, ensuring the personal uh, hygiene precaution of washing hands. But I think the most important thing is to reduce unnecessary travel within our own uh, city or town location and uh, try and ensure that uh, person-to-person contact is greatly minimized except at home and even at home maintain a certain degree of uh, social distancing.
0: Um,
1: People are really worried and now shops have run out of hand sanitizers. So do we really need hand sanitizers to, uh, to clean our hands or is water enough, is soap and water enough? What would you recommend?
2: Soap and water is actually better than hand sanitizers. Hand sanitizer is only in order to help us when we don't have access to soap and water and uh, sometimes in offices or sometimes in uh, other areas where we do not have ready access to soap and water and then we use the hand sanitizer. Otherwise, wherever we can, we should use soap and water preferentially and uh, 20 to 30 seconds of washing would actually be very helpful rather than uh, dobbing our hands with a hand sanitizer
1: and also I wanted to ask you do most people recover from uh, coronavirus disease Uh, what is the threat to life, what uh, are children safe?
2: well uh, it appears that uh, the coronavirus while it spreads very rapidly is a relatively mild virus uh, the mortality rates have been variably reported to be between one and three percent. So probably somewhere about two percent in countries where it has actually um, there have been very effective measures taken early on. Uh, in South Korea, for example, it's only 0.6 percent mortality. So let us say it's somewhere between one to two percent is the likely mortality if adequate public health measures are taken. But these two are most likely to happen in people who are either very elderly uh, above 60 the risk rises and above 70 and 80 the risk rises further but uh, people with coexisting disease conditions like diabetes heart disease or respiratory disease or immunosuppressed because of their own immunosuppressive therapy or people who are smokers uh, because their lungs are already damaged all of these people are at higher risk, and they, even if they are middle-aged or younger, are at a higher risk. But taking the overall population into consideration, the risk appears to be 2% or lower. And children appear to be somehow protected in this. There have been a few cases of children being affected in other countries, but virtually no fatality. Therefore, they seem to escape with minor illness, even if they are infected
1: so with lockdowns in many parts of the country uh, is there a danger of you know migrants going back home is there a danger of them carrying the infection back home to rural areas because we don't really have the kind of healthcare facilities we need to to you know to treat people in an outbreak
2: well that actually uh, um, is a problem uh, if migrants uh, from urban areas to rural areas do travel back, carrying the virus with them. But if there has been really no evidence of major community spillover, right. most of these migrants who are going back home would not have been infected in the first place. Therefore, they pose no danger. It is only people who have come from abroad or their immediate contacts, if they have acquired the virus and they are traveling back to their rural homes or visiting relatives in rural areas that they pose a danger. The very fact of migration itself is not a threat. It is the nature of the migrant that's the uh, issue that needs to be considered.
1: And that's the reason why India is insisting that people stay home in home quarantine for at least two weeks without, even if they have no symptoms. Is that correct?
2: Absolutely, because we have not been able to test everybody at the airport. That's not been logistically possible. Uh, They've tested people for fever. But if somebody is not febrile, they've been asked to go and isolate themselves on the ground that, okay, if they are carrying the virus, in two weeks' time, we'll know whether they're carrying the virus or not because they'll become symptomatic. And after the end of two weeks, if they appear to be safe, then they pose no threat. So that is the precaution taken, and that is a good advice for everybody to follow if they have come back from travel, but uh, sometimes people do not accept it and uh, common sense fails.
1: So what's what's ahead for us? Can we stop the virus? Can we just plateau the spread? Is it here to stay?
2: Well, uh, we have to look at the possible factors that can help us. Firstly, strong public health measures that are already being taken and can be further intensified. And then we have to certainly look at strengthening our health system to cope with the serious cases that need admission and intensive care, some of them will require intensive care. But in the meanwhile, there could be other factors that may be helpful for us uh, if we actually have success in these containment measures that will stop community spread or at least slow it down. But it is also possible that the advent of uh, the summer, we do not know yet for sure, but could help us in some ways uh, if the virus uh, Actually, he is heat sensitive, and there are some preliminary reports now emerging in the last couple of weeks that the virus actually is likely to be thermosensitive. sensitive So we'll have to uh, hope that both our public health measures and possibly, uh, potentially, some help from the climate will help us uh, slow down the epidemic uh, at least uh, by uh, by middle of April or uh, by end of April. Uh, but certainly, we have to be on our guard for uh, at least a few. And I hope that uh, we'll be able to contain the epidemic by then. And then prepare for winter in case it comes back. But by the time, we'll have enough time of preparation of our health systems.
1: But do you think uh, coronavirus disease is here to stay in the world? Is it going to be around, become a seasonal
2: infection like H1N1? I don't think it's a casual visitor because most of the influenza viruses and especially the coronaviruses have been around for a while. And this new entrant possibly also will gain a foothold. And over a period of time, there would be a large number of people across the world who would be exposed, most of them innocuously without any ill effects and gain immunity. And uh, by the time public health measures as well as potentially a vaccine, possibly a sexual drug, all of them would have come into play to prevent uh, major uh, problems in terms of the large number of deaths in the future. But I have a feeling that once it has been released into our environment, it is bound to be a permanent visitor. But we would have possibly learned to live with it and then uh, uh, I mean live in spite of it.
1: Thank you so much. That's really useful. So, what you're saying is we have to take precautions and protect ourselves and the society around us till we get a vaccine or a drug therapy that effectively. Prevents very uh, serious illness. Thank you so much, Dr. Reddy. That was really useful. Thank
2: you. You're most
1: welcome. If you still have any queries or would like me to cover a certain health topic, do feel free to reach out to me. You can reach me at Sanchex, that is at S A N C H X, or at HT Smartcast. We are available on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more such podcasts, log on to htsmartcast.com. Until next time, goodbye.